I'm going to bring Brian up. So, welcome. Good to be with you. Hopefully you're having a wonderful summer. Uh, let's pray. Father, we just turn our hearts to you as we look at your word this evening. We ask that you'd speak clearly to us. I thank you for this time. Now, would you um, allow us to become people that grow in wisdom and revelation, that we would know the hope of our calling in you? As we turn our attention to your word this evening, we ask that an awakening would happen that we would begin to not only understand the depth of your word, but we would connect with you, Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you're going to do, and we welcome you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come among us. Uh, release your presence to us. Uh, restore us, God. And we thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Um, it's an honor to actually cover this with you this evening, and what I want to do is I want to, real quick, just take the book of Ephesians. I'm not going to spend too long on this, but I want to take the book of Ephesians and try to get you to Ephesians chapter 6. So would you guys turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6? That's where we're going to be this evening. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on before we get to Ephesians chapter 6, and so to understand what is being told to us about the armor of God, we kind of need to understand what's going on in the book of Ephesians, kind of as a real quick overview, so that this makes sense. Now, Ephesians comes to us, it's a writing that Paul is giving. Ephesus is a very important place in Paul's writing because um, we would say the most powerful spiritual encounter, what we would call supernatural encounters with the kingdom of darkness, happened in the city of Ephesus. And here Paul is actually now developing in this epistle that he's writing to the Ephesians um, this idea about uh, spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And as he begins to lay that down, he's actually trying to say, now really, in the book of Ephesians, what is the church? You know, in our modern day that we live in, we see the church as a place we go. We all say, let's go to church instead of seeing ourselves as the church. Well, Paul is now taking the, the writing in Ephesians and saying, the church is you. So what has God intended you to be like as his church, his congregation, his covenant people? Well, that's very interesting. So think about this with me just for a minute. In Ephesians, it presents what we would call stories of how God views you and how he wants you to see yourself. So one of them is you're considered the bride of Christ. This is what's given to us in Ephesians. You're his bride. And there's a lot of people that actually like the teaching of the bride of Christ because it's about an intimate relationship with the Lord. Now, the Bible does teach on that and gives us that, but Paul doesn't just stop there and say, you're just the bride. He also turns and says, well, you're not only a bride, you're now also a kingdom. And, and in a kingdom, you're actually given a place of responsibility and authority. So, you know, um, when we're in the kingdom of darkness, all our identity is stripped from us. But when we come back to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're, we're re-put in a place of authority, and we've been given a position of responsibility. And so in Ephesians, Paul begins to say, well, you're in a new kingdom now. And because you're in this kingdom, you have to learn to govern 
your own life and your family. And so he begins to give us those kind of concepts. And then in Ephesians, it says that you're not only uh, the bride of Christ and that you're in a new kingdom. It begins to talk to you about you being an army. And so in God's view, you're, you're all of these things and a lot more. What happens, if you guys are like I am, I pick the one that I like and say, this is what I'm going to focus on, and I'm going to ignore the rest of this stuff. I, being an army sounds kind of icky, and I don't like that, and it always, always reminds me of camouflage and all that kind of stuff, and I'm just not into that. I really like loving Jesus, so that's all I'm going to focus on. There's nothing wrong with that season in your Christian walk, but Paul is saying, don't get stuck there. Move on to what it means to discover your identity. So your identity is the bride of Christ. Your identity is you're in the kingdom of God. And your identity is you are in an army. And Paul wants you to understand how the grace of God, or what we call God's loving presence, works in all those expressions of your walk with the Lord. And so that's what's going on when we come here to Ephesians chapter 6. Would you guys now look with me at Ephesians chapter 6, specifically verse 10, and we're going to go from 10 to 17. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and then in the strength of his might. Now, I usually like just reading the whole thing, but I want to stop here for get your attention focused on this specifically. As we look at the armor of God, this is not about the armor specifically. It is about the strength and the might of the Lord that is represented in the armor of God. Paul is using a symbolic language to describe what has God made available to you and I to deal with evil that we live in the midst of. And so he's saying the focal point is not the armor, even though he's going to describe the armor, it's actually the strength of the Lord that God has made available to you as his son and his daughter and as the bride of Christ. Then it says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but it is against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Now, having done everything, stand firm. And then he says, uh, gird up your loins with truth. So, some translations, a belt of truth, it's a... It's girding up your loin with troop, uh, truth. And so then it begins to describe the rest of the armor. My job is to talk to you about this thing called the belt of truth or uh, girding up your loins with truth. That's the first uh, element of the armor we want to talk about. Now, I want you to look at it with me at this level. The Bible is now saying that you are now actively dealing with the effect of evil and living in the midst of it. So how does God want you to respond to it? Now, this is important. It, it tries to give you what we call a horizontal view of what evil is like and what we call a, a um, vertical view of what evil is like. So when I usually draw this on a whiteboard, I say if you look at it, it says there, there are elements of spiritual warfare in the heavenlies and there's elements of spiritual warfare on the, the natural level. And the Bible wants you aware of both of them and the armor deals with both levels in the heavenly and on the earthly level. Now, if you guys are like I am, I'm always asking this question. Why does the Bible feel it's necessary for me to understand this concept of what evil is about and why I need to actually take time to understand God's heart in this? This is very important. Sin, 
evil and observing it and participating in it has an effect on your soul. So what does observing evil and participating in evil do to you? Well, I'm going to just take a moment and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where it, or 13 where it's talking about love. And it describes what love is. And then it says, now three remain, faith, hope, and love. Now, the whole 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 is trying to describe giftedness, love, and then the expression of giftedness. Now, why is Paul addressing that? Because when you and I observe evil and participate in evil, it has an ability to take away faith, hope, and love inside of us. So when I, ha when I if you guys are like I am, I always ask people, when you observe evil, like watch the news, or hear a bad report, what does it do inside of you? It literally, in a sense, steals hope away from you. It also challenges your faith and goes, is God actually involved in anything? And you feel actually what we call a diminishing effect of love inside your heart because of the effect of observing evil or participating in evil. You guys ever sense that as you've been around this stuff? I, if I watch the news anymore, if I watch the news, I, I literally just walk away from it depressed, wondering if God is even running the universe because the, the news literally just goes to the most wicked things going on on the planet and says, now just observe this. This is entertainment for you. You need to know that people are shooting and killing and murdering each other. Really? Really? I need to know this on a daily basis? This is news. And so you guys understand the Bible is saying Yes, you live in the midst of this, but there's a response that God is wanting for you to lift you above that so you're not constantly dealing with depression and despair and having demonic uh, spirits harassing you your whole entire life. And so he begins to develop the armor. Now, the armor is really interesting in the fact that it's saying this is what God has given you and I to stand in a day that is evil. Now, I... Really, to restore hope back to you, how many of you sometimes go to bed and think, man, I am just, this is just an overwhelming day. I mean, this has been a hard day, and it's having to do with just living on a fallen planet and the effects of a fallen planet. Paul is saying, look, there's a place actually in the strength of God where you and I can actually be overcomers and live a what we call overcoming lifestyle if we understand what God has made available to us from his heart in the arena of his strength to stand in the day of evil. And that's why it's important for us to look at this. So now let's go to the main part we're going to look at. We're going to talk about girding up our loins with truth or the belt of truth. Now, for me, I actually like the girding up your loins with truth because it gets to what we call the main part of the armor. Please remember that there are five defensive pieces of the armor and one offensive piece. Also, when Paul is looking at the, the Roman soldier and using their armor as an analogy of how God's strength helps with evil, there's a cultural context that everybody understands. And I want to make sure you have a, a basic understanding of this. When Romans fought, they never had armor that protected the backside of them because they always had the mindset that if they went to war, they were always advancing. And so there was never an idea that you retreated if you were in the Roman army. 
you always had the armor to protect the front side of you, and you had, I'm not going to get in the shield, someone else will do that, and you had the shield to protect you from any arrows that were going to come at you, but everything was about moving forward. Now, I think that speaks to you and I about something. You guys ready? Where we're the most defeated is when we turn towards evil and try to run away from it, thinking we can escape it instead of addressing it. The Bible says, no, the way you deal with evil is addressing it, not trying to hide from it. Okay, now with that kind of thinking in your mind, what is the, the, the girdle or the loin or the belt of truth? Why is that so important? Well, first thing that you need to understand is this is not talking about truth as what we call a theological statement. It's not saying if you understand the truth, that's the armor that's being used here. It's going to something else. By the way, when you get to the helmet, that'll deal with the thoughts in the head. It's the belt of truth or the girding your loins with truth has to do with how you and I live as people. Okay, you guys ready? So the Bible comes to you and says, now God has provided everything for you to stand in an evil day, but you have to now gird yourself up with truth. Now the truth that's being talked about here is not theological correctness and doctrine. It is how do I live internally that keeps evil away from me. So this is where the Bible talks to you and I about the idea of, now we, would, we always throw turns out like this. This is where the Bible talks about living a holy life before God. But I'm going to be very specific in terminology now. This means about having integrity, not being hypocritical, and living from a foundation of transparency in my lifestyle so that there's not me entertaining evil inside my soul and yet acting like I don't have any problems on the outside. This is very important. The Bible says now the way that you deal with evil is you deal with it both externally and internally. And so for us to gird up our loins with truth, we actually have to say, all right, I am a new creation in Christ, so God has given me everything that is necessary for me to stand in an evil day, but to participate with the grace that has been given with me, I have to live a certain way. If you guys can think about it this way, it's like there's a river that's flowing through you, and the river comes from the heart of God, and when I live the way that God has created me to live, which is to be like Him, loving, caring for people, serving people, while giving myself to being truthful and honest and transparent with people, the river flows freely through me. When the river flows through me and I decide to be compromised, if I try to be hypocritical and I find myself not being whole or transparent, I clog the river of God inside of me, and then it, it goes through me diffused and it confuses other people because you and I are all reading the same book and we can tell the difference between someone that says they live a certain way, and a person that lives a certain way. And so the Bible is saying, now here's the foundation of spiritual warfare. Make your heart come into alignment with the heart of God and live the way that God calls you to live. Truthfully, with integrity, uh, transparently before people, uh, bringing evil to the light. The, the idea of just what is going on in the secret place of my heart, will either allow darkness to have an effect on me, evil to have an effect on me, or it won't by how I conduct the activity of what's going on inside of me. 
Now, the rest of the armor, just so you guys understand, doesn't have an effect unless this gets set in place. This is why I believe it's, it's called the foundation of the armor of God, because it points to the fact that what the innermost part of you has to be girded with truth. Because if I'm going to wield a sword, it's going to be hard to do that if I'm not girded with truth. If I'm going to protect my heart with righteousness, I'm not going to do that unless I live truthfully with myself. I'm not going to be able to have the shield of faith if I'm not living internally, truthfully, the way God has created me to live. And so the Bible is saying, now have wisdom here as you think about this. Be a person that by the way you live pushes evil away from you. Now, let me share one thing in my own experience with this, just for your benefit. My children... Watch what I say more, I'm sorry, watch what I do more than what comes out of my mouth. And they have, uh, in our household, they want to see if what I say that Christ is able to do is actually uh, livable. And so they observe me. And where they have victory is where they can see integrity in my life. They see that it works, and then they try to apply it into their life. Now, think about this. That's my household. I have to live a certain way with my wife and my children to uh, push evil out of my household and stand firm in the Lord. And it has an effect on my, I've watched my children grow up in that kind of a household. I realize that the consistency of it and confessing my sins to my family and just being truthful about who I am and my weakness and all those things that we think we have to hide from actually releases the strength of the Lord into my family so that everybody understands how grace works. So you guys understand, I don't act like I'm strong. I act like I have integrity. And so that means part of being integrity is when I fail, I tell everybody instead of hiding. See, there's, there's some game playing that goes on in my own life. I don't know if you guys struggle with this too, but I find this. It's easier to say Christian platitudes than it is to live in integrity, isn't it? And it's easy to uh, make mistakes and then make sure no one ever looks at it as though somehow ignoring it somehow solves the problem. I found that when I'm discipling people or I lead small groups or even living as a father among my children, my children are looking for a certain, how do you live your life as a person that walks with God? When you fail, are you willing to admit it? When you're not strong, are you willing to share? I need God in this situation. I need to walk this out. This is what I would, you guys realize, this is what we would call the most powerful foundation of spiritual warfare that's given to you. The enemy wants to erode your testimony, and some of your testimony doesn't come by what you say. It comes by how you and I live. Now, are you guys hearing me? The Bible is not commanding you to be perfect. The Bible is commanding you to become honest. That's a little harder to do, isn't it? Because that means I actually have to talk to you and talk about what's going on in my life. Now, do you do this with everybody? Yes. No, no, you don't. Sorry. <laughs> but you do have people you walk with, and you should have people in your life that you're actually telling them what's really going on with you. This keeps darkness out of your life. See? There's this thing, it's, it's what I would call a false analogy of spirituality that goes on in Christianity. And the false analogy is to act like everything's okay all the time, 
to always give a positive confession and just act like you're above everything. You guys ready? You are above everything because of what Christ has done, but you're living in a fallen world, and God wants you to get honest about it. <laughs> Isn't that fun? See, I, I'd expect Jesus to really want this from me in the arena of spiritual warfare because he's serious about me knowing him, walking with him, and having breakthrough in my life that actually is consistent with what his nature is like. And so I'd expect him to expect me to be honest with him and, and start getting honest with other people and talking about the things I'm going through as a form of spiritual warfare. By the way, as you guys go into the next several weeks and they talk to you about spiritual warfare, if you've never taken time to study it, I'd encourage you to do it because it's one of the most exciting things you can do as a Christian. Because it's not about how to war well with the enemy. It's about learning how the love of God is very powerful to overcome evil. That God's love is so powerful that it can destroy every form of wickedness that people easily get entrenched in. That's the dynamic of spiritual warfare. That's the dynamic of the armor of God. Now let me wrap it up here by sharing a, a final scripture with you and then we'll, we'll move on to the next thing that we're going to do here. It tells us this. Would you guys go with me to Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, and we'll wrap it up with this scripture. Exodus 18, verse 21. Now this is uh, Moses talking about the types of men that would become leaders in the nation of Israel and what God had required of these people. Exodus 18, verse 21. It says, able men, such that fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Now see, here, these are all pointing to the idea that they, they know how to walk in the fear of the Lord. They love truth. They don't covet things. They're all talking about character. Now, sometimes... Um, what we do is we focus on the move of God so much because we think if we ever get into character development or talk about our character, all of us are going to feel awful because we know the world we live in. Please remember this. The development of your character is not you trying to be better. It's you trying to see something in Christ so that he can transform you to be like what you see in him. It's you seeing a love in God that you don't possess yet that changes your character to be like him. And so this isn't about I have to have more self-effort. This means I have to open up to more dynamic encounters of transformation with Christ so I can be like him. Now, this is what the fear of the Lord is about. I want to be holy not to prove something. I want to be holy because it helps me stand in a day that I have to deal with evil. Would you guys pray with me now? Father, we open our hearts to you right now. Search us. We welcome your intervention into our lives. We welcome you to come to our hearts and to that place where we're afraid to grow. And we ask that you would begin to reveal your love to us there.
Just bring your transformative love to places where we settle for darkness and begin to bring the light into those places. Awaken us, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, if you can give me just a few minutes, I'm going to give some words of knowledge. If this revolves around you or you have this issue, please stand. I'm going to just pray for you. Are you guys willing to do that? All right, thank you. Um, the Lord was showing me that there's a woman here that has teeth problems. It was specifically that your gums are pulling away from your teeth and it's causing you to have a lot of pain. Is there a woman here that's dealing with gum issues? And would you stand, please? And we have some more. I'm so sorry you're going through it, but there, so if you have that, please stand. Would you just put your hands out like you're receiving from the Lord, and let's pray for these, these women. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and just release your healing virtue over their gums and their teeth? And I ask, Lord, that you would begin to restore them right now. Uh, where they're told that this can't be resolved, I break the power of that right now. And I ask that you would come over their gums and their teeth and the nerves that are surrounding this and that you would restore it right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just bring shalom back over their bodies, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And is there a woman here named Lori? Lori. I'm sorry. Is that you? Okay. Thanks for standing, Lori. <laughs> um, Lori, do you love to pray? You do. Well, the Lord started talking to me about your prayer life while I was waiting on him today. He said she loves to pray. And God said he was actually going to meet your prayer life in a very unique way, and you're going to go on an adventure with the Lord that you weren't even expecting to go on, and that you're going to hear him in a really dynamic way, and your authority in prayer is just going to change. Can I pray for you to have that happen? Can you just put your hands out like it's Christmas? Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence around Lori. I thank you for what you're doing in her life, Lord. You are so good. Take her on the adventure of prayer in a deeper way. Um, God has put his hand on you to grow in a prayer life, so God wants you to pay attention to this season you're going through because God's going to take you out of this prayer season. You're going to start going on adventures and missions. You're going to start going to other places and praying for breakthrough. God is going to take you into new lands where you actually move as a teacher in the Lord, and you're going to show other people how to get breakthrough in the kingdom. And so this is all learning season. And so, Lord, I just bless what you're doing in Lori's life. Let her grow in authority. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Um, isn't the Lord good? All right, so uh, the Lord was showing me uh, several people are dealing with hand problems, joint issues, and I actually felt like someone... Uh, the way the Lord showed it to me, it was actually kind of painful. It's like someone got stabbed in their hand or they have stabbing pain in their hand. So if you have hand problems, joint issues, or you have stabbing pain in your hand, please stand. And I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. Yeah. Please put your hands out and receive from the Lord, please. Holy Spirit, bring your healing presence right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of infirmity over their bodies right now. And I ask, Lord, that your healing virtue would go into them right now. 
that you'd come into their hands and that you would strengthen them and restore life to them. Right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And according to even what we're learning tonight, any weapon formed against them, I break the power of that right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would bless them. I thank you for your goodness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last one. Uh, someone, the Lord was showing me that um, some people, well, actually it was a man specifically, but if you have this issue, I saw a gentleman that actually has irregular heartbeat. It has to do with the right side of their heart. I don't know if you've had it examined, but it, it, you have irregular heartbeat, and um, the Lord actually wanted to come and deal with that. So if you have, if, I had a guy specifically, but this isn't just for a guy. If you have irregular heartbeat, stand, the Lord would like to minister to you. These two women. Is there a gentleman here dealing with that? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say if you don't, please stand up anyways. But is there a gentleman here that's dealing with that? Okay, so you ladies, would you mind just putting your hands up? Oh, it's your husband. Okay, well let's pray. So please put your hands out and please join me in prayer. So Father, right now, would you come? I actually saw a ray of your light just come over the heart. Just bring the glory of your hand over their heart right now. And I ask that you restore specifically the right side and the whole irregular heartbreak. Uh, I just break the power of that right now. And I ask, Lord, that you would restore them, that you would bless them. And I ask that you would strengthen them. Now, restore it back to functionality. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, ladies. You may be seated. All right. Um, I found out they're going to do something different with you, so... Here's a question to ponder, okay? Do you recognize when you're in a season of warfare? All right, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you guys. Thank you so much. So you know how we like to not just sit in the pews on Wednesday night. We like to activate and practice. So we're going to... Do something a little different with this series of the armor of God over the next seven weeks. And we're going to shoot to end and give ourselves 15, 20, 30 minutes. We're going to break into small groups. So what I'm going to actually ask everybody to do is to go back out into the atrium. We left the table set up so that we can sit in groups of 10 to 12. And we have uh, some of the pastors, some of our elders, and some of our staff that will kind of help facilitate. But you just heard the question that Brian posed for you to ponder. Now you get to be honest and answer that question, since we're talking about truth, right? So does everybody understand what we're doing? So I'm just going to ask you to, to go out. Uh, if those that I've asked to, to help facilitate a table, if you would go ahead and head out there and just be at a table. Uh, Jeff, Jenny, if you want to help tonight, that'd be awesome. So Brian, do you want to repeat the question? Uh, the question I had was, uh, are, do you recognize when you're dealing with spiritual warfare? That's the question. And then what do you do with it? <laughs> so what I want you to do is not go to a, someone that you're great friends with. This is also an opportunity to meet new people, develop new relationships as we grow stronger as a family in this church. So try to, and we're, we all know each other to some degree, 
but don't just settle for, ooh, I'm comfortable with this group of people because they know me really well. Let's all get out of our comfort zones and meet new people, right? So let's all go out, find a table. And the challenge is going to be as well over the next seven weeks when you're here is to try and do the same table every week so you get to know those people really well. Thank you.